It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA expert. You got Jay Smoove in the house. You guys can find him at Twitter as well, at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smoove, here we go. NBA playoffs. Going to go ahead. We're going to talk about the Clippers and Suns on Tuesday. And then we'll go ahead. We'll preview the Hawks and Bucks. On Wednesday, but first, I want to go ahead and do a little bit of recap here with the Philadelphia 76ers and Hawks series, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Bucks and the Nets. Why don't we go ahead and talk about Philly first? They were really the hot topic here today, smooth with you know all the talk about Ben Simmons not taking shots in the fourth quarter. If you watch the news today, he took a lot of the blame, and I didn't see anything come out from him, you know, on social media or anything like that. But that's really where the finger was being pointed today. I'm not necessarily sure if Ben Simmons is the guy that you should be pointing the finger at. I think there's multiple things, you know, with, within all these playoff games and all these playoff series that you can go to and you could say, you know, well, what about this factor? What about that factor? Somebody like Danny Green being out, you know, had a, had a negative impact that you really didn't hear a whole hell of a lot about. Uh, you go to the Buck series and, you know, defense sense goes out, you know, what kind of an impact did that have? Did that series have to go, you know, that that long, you know, with the Nets, you know, without Kyrie and, and a banged up Harden? Like there's just all things that we can kind of go back to and point our finger at. But why don't we go ahead and start with the Hawks, start with the 76ers. I've been high on Atlanta. Um, that's a team that I've kind of been riding. I, I, I've been very, very fortunate with being able to pick my spots uh, with that team. I don't know if I lost a uh, premium wager that I gave out on pregame.com with that team, but they've been good to me. And, and I think in the next series, you know, against the Bucks, I think they are certainly live. But let's just talk about the 76ers and the Hawks move. Why don't you just take the whole series as a whole and then go ahead and dive into that game seven. You know, tell me what the hell went wrong with Philly, because going into that particular game, I thought Philly would probably win. I was rooting for Atlanta hardcore, but I did think Philadelphia would win that one. But what was your overall makeup of the series? And then I guess that game seven in a nutshell. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty impressed with the Hawks, even going back to um, their uh, first round win over the Knicks. Um, you know, there was kind of teams that was kind of evenly matched, but they just had, were better offensively than the Knicks were. But coming into this series with the Sixers, you know, I thought the Sixers would, you know, win this in five or six games. So I was pretty surprised by the outcome, you know, with the Hawks winning and, and it going seven with them winning in Philadelphia on, uh, on their home court with just how dominant the Sixers have been, you know, this year at home and even dating back, you know, last year, you know, last couple of years, they've been one of, if not the best teams at home, you know, with the straight up and against the spread record. But, you know, just as that series went on, I thought it was going to turn a little bit, you know, after game two when the when the Sixers won by 16. But you mentioned already, you know, Ben Simmons was the hot topic of the day. But, you know, like you said, you know, I don't think he deserved, you know, all the blame. I think, you know, there was a, a lot of contributing factors to, you know, Philly collapsing. But I do think that he was a big part of it. But, just him, you know, not being aggressive and not, you know, uh, you know, doing, you know, the filling out the role that his team needed to. Um, I think that's what ended up hurting, you know, the team. Cause I think, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, even on a torn meniscus, you know, he had a really good series. They got what they needed out of Tobias Harris. Obviously the injury to Danny Green, you know, he, he's not a guy that produces a lot of numbers, but anytime you, you lose a starter, you know, like Danny Green, you know, that was your regular starter at the two. It hurts your team in a lot of different ways as far as depth and, you know, trust and lineups and things like that. 
And, you know, you have to bring a bench player like Corkmans, who's pretty good, but he's pretty good coming off the bench, not really in the role of, you know, being a starter going up against other teams, you know, number ones. Um, but just, you know, Ben Simmons, just lack of aggression throughout this, as the series went on, like he, he wasn't even trying to look at the basket, you know, giving up the ball, you know, at half court in transition, which is a, a strength of his game. You know, he was just pretty much lost, but give credit to the Hawks. You know, they did what they had to do. You know, they were down by at least 18 or more in five of the seven games of this series. And, you know, they managed to come back and win two of those games. So, you know, they have a lot of fight. You know, they're not going to quit. You know, they've already proven to themselves that, you know, no matter, you know, how much they're down, you know, they always have a chance to come back as long as they play their style of basketball. You know, going back to the game five that they were down by 26 at one point and still winning that game on the, on the road. Speaking a little bit ahead, you know, talking about the Bucks, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, they, you know, can't take this team for granted. And, you know, if you get them down, you got to put them down. You know, let me swing back to Simmons and then I'll talk a little bit about Green first. But I think with Green, I think one of the things that that kind of screwed up Philly is, you know, the fact that you talked about them, you know, being out there and he's the starter. It seemed like in, in a lot of games, like Danny Green was that guy that was part of that buzzsaw. Um, you know, big offensive run that Philly would have, you know, he'd be over there in his spot, just waiting, bang, he hit a three, come back down, bang, hit another three, or, you know, do something on defense, you know, to get that team rolling. And I felt like there was that part that was missing. And you kind of just knew where he was going to be, you know, on the floor. And I felt like Philly, you know, they, they, they certainly had to lose a little bit of chemistry. Uh, they looked out of sorts, you know, at times, but, you know, they were up big in, in a bunch of games. And I felt like, you know, the second half of, of those Philly games, I'm sure there's something that we could pull out of there statistically. You know, you and I were talking on a, on a podcast recently about, you know, maybe we fade Philly in the second half. Maybe we look to, you know, live bet and beat points under in the second half because, you know, he looked tired. I mean, his knee wasn't right. So, I mean, there's a bunch of things we could point, you know, the finger out with Philly. But I think with Simmons move, you know, more than anything is he needs a change of scenery because if he doesn't get a change of scenery, then I feel like Philly has to change the way that they play. The biggest reason with that is going to be if, if Ben Simmons is on the floor next year, they're going to expect him to contribute offensively uh, game in and game out, uh, not just shooting at the rim, but shooting from you know three-point land and shooting from mid-range and doing all the things that this guy is technically supposed to be able to do you know, as a professional basketball player. And if he doesn't go in there, and Philly doesn't say, okay, let's adapt a little bit to get him more involved uh, to do things at least to maybe not appease the crowd. But at some point, if things just don't go well, um, he's going to get booed right out of the stadium. And then you're right back to square one, you know, wondering what the hell, what do we do with this guy? So for me, I think you have to go ahead and you have to move him. That's just my particular uh, opinion. I think, you know, you put him on another team. Uh, you know, I put a post out on Twitter today, maybe bring in like a Lowry or, or a Boucher and, and a pick and send him to Toronto and just let him do what he does best. And, well, I think he can shoot, but I just think he's just afraid to. He can attack the rim. We know that. He can rebound. He can assist. I think in order for him to snap out of this funk, he needs to be the guy who, you know, was taking, you know, the 20 shots a game kind of guy, you know, that that's, you know, with maybe a, a, another guy that's, you know, like a Siakam or something like that, who's going to take 20, 25 shots. Like he needs to be the guy that that's, you know, not only running the offense, but really trying to do, you know, a majority of the scoring because he can score. So I just feel like he needs a change of, of scenery. 
Um, you know, I said if they lose the series against the Hawks, at, at least in game six, I was more or less talking game six. Um, if they lost that particular game on the road, um, that we would be talking about Ben Simmons leaving and, you know, it, it ended up going seven. They, they ended up losing anyways. And that was really all the talk that we heard today was Ben Simmons got to go. Ben Simmons got to go. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with it. I think he needs a, a change of pace, but let me circle back to something, uh, with the Hawks. You mentioned the Knicks and they have an excellent defense and we know that they're probably what's moved, maybe number one in the league. And then they play Philadelphia and we know that they have an excellent defense. I'm not necessarily sure uh, where they rank, but I would say maybe potentially in the top five. You just played two of the better defensive teams in the league. You know, where would you put the Bucks? you know, with with the Knicks and the Sixers? Do you feel like this is a step up in class defensively or do you feel like this is a step down defensively uh, for the Hawks taking on the Bucks? I actually think it's a step up. Um, you know, for the Hawks taking on this defense, just for the simple fact that the Bucks have been, you know, a top defense as well, you know, throughout the regular season. And, you know, this year's playoffs, I think they have the number one defensive rating as well. And even dating back, you know, the, the last couple of seasons, you know, this Bucks team, their core players, you know, have been together for the most part and they've been a top defense as well. So they're a little bit more proven than the, uh, than the Knicks who had a good defensive year just for this year. And the Sixers, they had a, a solid defense this year as well. So seeing a, another defense uh, like Milwaukee, I think it's a, another a, a step up in class because they're a little bit more versatile as well, especially adding P.J. Tucker this year. So why don't we talk a little bit about the Bucks and the Nets. Here's my you know, one-minute rant. If, if Durant's feet are one inch behind the line, I don't think we're having this conversation about the Hawks and the Bucks. I think it's the Hawks and the Nets. But – it is what it is. You know, Durant's foot was on the line and ends up being a two, not a three. Uh, yeah, there were a couple of seconds left on the clock. Uh, we don't know exactly how that would have all went down. But I I believe that if the Nets made that shot, that there was no way that they were going to let the Bucks even get a shot off, um, you know, at the rim. My gut feeling is that the Bucks are exhausted uh, mentally, physically coming out of that series and going into game one against the Hawks. I just have a gut feeling that, they're laying too many points against the Hawks that the the Bucks were like, all right, we finally got through the team that, you know, could have beaten us. And they just let down uh, big time in game one. That's kind of my, my feeling. And I feel like the Hawks, that they didn't have these emotional series. Um, you know, they took care of the Knicks rather quickly. And, you know, they go into Philly. And I, for some reason, I don't feel like it was an emotional uh, series for them. I felt like that Buck series was just every game was just high intensity emotion. Uh, even though there were some really lopsided scores, I felt like that there were just some really big highs and really big lows uh, for that Bucks team. And I wonder if it wears on them a little bit here and they kind of come out of the gates, maybe a little bit slow. Um, that's kind of, you know, my, my initial first thought, you can talk about the nets if you want a little bit smooth and talk about the bucks, um, you know, in that particular series, the only thing that I could say, um, you know, with the Bucks and the Nets that maybe would be a positive for the Bucks is they just didn't start out, you know, that series all that well. Getting beat by 30, getting beat by 50, and then they got it going. I think they needed, you know, I think they kind of needed needed to go ahead and get that series rolling a little bit earlier. I don't think they would have lasted seven games. I think the Bucks probably could have beat them in five or six, to be honest with you. Um 
So I don't know. I don't know how you feel about about the Bucks series with the Nets. I felt like it wore on them physically, mentally, and I feel like the Hawks probably come into this one the fresher, more confident team um, going into Game One. What do you think about that uh, Hawks and Bucks series? Um, I'm pretty high on the Bucks. Uh, I picked them, you know, to win that uh, win that series. You know, even before you know the injuries to to Harden and, and Kyrie. It was expecting it to be a, a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, you know, once Kyrie went down and Harden was out as well, you know, after Game One. But uh, K, KD, uh, obviously, we've seen them, you know, have a, you know, an amazing finish to the, to the series. And you know, a lot of guys that don't get mentioned on that team throughout the media, but probably should. You know, guys like Blake Griffin. Um, not really sure guys, you know, don't really know why guys, you know, forgot about him. You know, he's been an all NBA player within the last, you know, three or four years or so. Um, Jeff Green has been a great a player for them. You know, he went for seven of eight, you know, from the three point line in that game, uh, five or six, I believe. Um, and, you know, they still had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good pieces, some good role players and, you know, their system and style of ball around KD, you know, still made it tough. So, I think you got to give the Bucks a lot of credit for just, you know, uh, sticking with it and battling through, you know, the the bad offense through the first three games. And I think the turning point for them uh, was game three when it was just a, a, a ugly offensive game for both teams. And, you know, Durant came down and, and got it going in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. And he hit that shot late, um, you know, but the Bucks didn't quit and, they ended up getting uh, the game-winning bucket or the go-ahead bucket from Drew Holiday, and they was able to get that win. And ever since that game, you know, their offense just got a lot more, you know, balance, you know, getting consistent production from uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and some other, you know, role players chipped in. You know, P.J. Tucker, you know, scored uh, scored a few buckets in a, in a critical game, uh, Brooke Lopez and, you know, Connington. Some of their other players has been in the been in the, been a part of their core the last couple of seasons. So I think as the series went on, they got a little bit more confident, and their and their defense never wavered, and they started to get more balanced. And you know, you saw Game Seven. You know, that was up against history because not a lot of road teams, you know, uh, go uh, win a Game Seven, and you know they was able to able to do that even with you know before the KD shot when his foot was on the line. You know, there was a, a, a tough hardened three, you know, on, on one leg, you know, I gave him a three or four point lead. Um, you know, they had a, a and one dunk by KD and they're down by five or six points. But, you know, they just kept coming back and either tying the tying the game up or or taking the lead. And, you know, Giannis went blow for blow with, you know, he called KD one of the best players in the world. So anytime you're feeling like you, you know, you just beat the best player in, in the world, you know, on his home court, you know, I think his confidence is sky high going into not only the next series, but as long as they stay alive in the playoffs. So, you know, I really like the Bucks. Um, you know, moving forward, and you know, I think they have a lot of uh, confidence. You know, coming off a uh, coming off that series win with the Nets. I think we've seen the Bucks play their worst basketball in Game One, Game Two uh, of that particular Nets series. As I mentioned, you know, they they, they kind of got it going. I will say this though: if Harden and Kyrie were healthy. The Bucks weren't beating that team. There's no way that the Bucks were going to beat the Nets uh, if that team was healthy. And I will make a prediction. If for some reason the Lakers don't add another 
big point guard where they become like a big three of the West Coast, whether it would be a Beal, a Wall, a Westbrook, whoever it might be. If the Lakers don't add a big piece, or maybe the Clippers or somebody, somebody has to have this big three that's just scary, scary. The Nets are going to go off next year at the same exact odds that the Warriors went off when they had KD, where I believe they were minus 180 to win the title. And generally, you're not even going to see, you know, plus 150, plus 170, somewhere in that area uh, for title odds. But I'll bet you that if somebody doesn't pick up a big key piece, that the Nets are probably going to be minus 50 or more uh, to win the title. Because I think that that's how much respect that they're going to get. The fact that they pushed the Bucks to seven games with um, no Kyrie Irving and a broke down James Harden with a bunch of players like Blake Griffin, who, you know, let's face it, a lot of people probably thought he was a journeyman, um, you know, at this point of his career. But, you know, the next Nets are going to, I have a feeling that's going to be, uh, you know, more than anything, a, a big problem uh, next year. Don't be surprised if they try to buzz saw through and uh, try to accomplish something, you know, for that team that, that they tried to accomplish with the Warriors with, you know, winning a, a ton of games or something, you know, to that degree. Let's go ahead and talk about the Clippers and the Suns. Uh, we'll have game two here right now. Suns end up taking game one. Uh, really good effort from them. Line in this game right now is going to be five and a half Suns at home. Uh, are the favorites. We have a total of 224 and a half. Uh, you have a pick on this game. I have a pick on this game too, Smooth. I'll go ahead and I'll give my my two cents on this one. Uh, I'll take the Clippers in a rebound. I think we we probably do the zigzag here. I think the Clippers probably got a good enough look here at this Suns team to say, uh, here's what we can do, here's what we can't do. And the fact that Chris Paul's not going to be out there to you know, keep this team calm, to go ahead and get them in the right places at the right times, um, I think that that's probably going to hurt the Suns in this particular game. And, you know, I worried about the Clippers, you know, coming into this one. Maybe they were a little bit tired. Uh, maybe they were just happy to be here um, in a sense. But um, I'll take the five and a half. I think that's too many. I think this game should be closer to maybe Suns minus one, one and a half. I feel like this game is, is really a, a toss-up type of game. Uh, so I'll grab those points. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, how you feeling about the Suns and Clippers? Yeah, I don't have too much of a strong opinion on the side, but if I had to choose, I would lean towards Suns just because of them being at home and just how dominant they've been at home. Um, even without Chris Paul, they still have like a plus five or six net rating with campaign out there. And we obviously saw what Devin Booker was able to do, you know, getting his first career triple-double, um, you know, in the first game of the Western Conference Finals while going for 40 points is pretty incredible but you know I have a stronger play on the total and I'm gonna go with the under 224 um they're uh you know game seven for the Clippers they just look like a a little bit you know tired and I think it showed up in the second half especially for you know Paul George uh in that fourth quarter and I don't even think he played you know his normal minutes in the fourth quarter just because of you know them coming off of a off of a that game seven and they had a they exploded, you know, both teams exploded in the second half, combined and score for 123 points uh, compared to just 111 in the first half. You know, both of these teams pace, you know, they're both ranked in the bottom 10 throughout the regular season. Also in the bottom half of the 16 teams that made the playoffs and the Suns actually ranked 15th out of 16 uh, teams, you know, for a pace of play. Uh, both teams also got less up, you know, less than 90 shots up 
you know, in, in game one. And, you know, they was both pretty hot from the three in game one as well, shooting 40% or better as a team. So I think they have a little bit of a regression. Um, I, I like the number at, at 224. And I think, uh, you know, game one was also was a little bit of a fill out. Um, so they was just kind of, you know, filling each other out while the Clippers, you know, ran out of gas, you know, late in that second half. So game two, I think, you know, uh, they're going to both teams going to this one, having a little bit more of knowing what to expect while, you know, the Clippers are a little bit more rested. And I think it'll be a, a tougher ball game. So I'm going to play the 224 under. All right. Well, they're smoothing to go ahead and play the under 224. And I'll go ahead. I'll take the Clippers at the plus five and a half. You know, one thing smooth with the Clippers, man, like I don't think anybody's given them a whole hell of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of credit for what they've done in the playoffs. Um, that, that obviously, you know, that Maverick series wasn't easy, you know, dealing with Luca, uh, you know, game in and game out. But the fact that Kawhi goes down and they end up getting through Utah, who I felt at the time when the Lakers went out that they were the best team. But, you know, they went out there and they did their thing, man. They took care of business. And, you know, a lot of that goes to, you know, players like Reggie Jackson. Um, you would never think that that guy would, would step up um, the way that he stepped up. I think if my gut feeling says Kawhi doesn't come back and Chris Paul, you know, is going to end up on the floor and that's really going to be the decider of this particular series, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this goes six, seven games. But I, I, I actually favor – you know, the Suns to end up getting through this and ending up uh, in the finals. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I'm pretty sure without Kawhi, um, you just don't see any way that the Clippers get through the Suns, right? No, I actually um, still have faith in the Clippers. Uh, you know, I have like what I've seen from them, even, you know, the games, even the games that Kawhi's missed, um, a lot of people are still, you know, thinking that Paul George is, you know, a, a second option, but He's really not to me. Uh, I think he's the first option. Uh, I think I think he's been proven that, not just the games that Kawhi's missed, but you know this year throughout the playoffs. And I really like the way that you know Tyron Lue is uh, is using them, uh, using them more like a, a point forward, to where he's also um, having some responsibility to create shots for his teammates, as well as you know he you see his confidence go to another level as well. You know before. You know, we would see uh, his his confidence be affected by, you know, him, you know, making or missing shots. And, you know, now it, it really doesn't matter if he makes or misses shots. He, he looks like he's still going to be aggressive and in attack mode. And that's what, uh, you know, the Clippers need from him. But, you know, you got guys around him like, you know, Reggie Jackson, um, Marcus Morris, um, and a, a surprise player, second-year player that, you know, kind of, um, you know, sealed the – their series win against the Jazz for him and, and Terrence Mann. Um, you know, uh, uh, Quinn Snyder, you know, really, you know, took a gamble by, you know, leaving him open and being the help defender rotating off of him, and he made him pay, you know, scoring 39 points. And, you know, he just got in a good rhythm. And, you know, you, you see his ability to attack the basket, you know, and finish as well as knock down open shots if you keep giving them to him. So, you know, I, I still think the Clippers have a shot. And even though they lost, you know, the game one, you know, they were still pretty impressive to me, um, scoring 114 points uh, on the road, you know, against, you know, the Suns team that, you know, had six days off 
while they was coming off a you know a tough uh, seven game series against Utah, I think they had maybe one day of rest, and you know it was pretty much in that ball game for a, a large part of it, you know until you know the fourth quarter came around mid fourth quarter. So I still give the Clippers a shot. Um, we can go six, maybe seven games, but I tell you one thing, man. Uh, Ty Lue, he's proven you know to be a, a top five or better coach in this league. Um, with what he's been able to do, the adjustments he's been able to make throughout the series. And if the Clippers, you know, do have a chance to to eliminate the Suns, um, you know, Ty Lue's record, you know, um, in eliminating teams, I think he's a, like 11-1 or 12-1 or something like that. So I wouldn't count the Clippers out just uh, quite yet. Yeah, we've seen some uh, we've seen some pretty bad coaching throughout the playoffs and we've seen some, some really good coaching and Obviously, Lou, you know, has been has been making a lot of the right calls. So that'll wrap up the pod. We'll talk a little bit about what we see and uh, what's going to happen here and what's going on. But uh, you guys know where to find me on Twitter, SleepyG underscore pregame. You know where to get Smooth at Smooth underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. That said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your Tuesday. Enjoy the games. <laughs>